Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thank you for listening. Very excited today. I have a great guest, uh, returning guest to the show. One of the original guests, actually, if you go way back in the podcast to 2014 when I started this podcast, and Brandon Donnelly was one of the first guests that I had. So great to have him back on the show again. Brandon, of course, if you don't know him, very active uh, blogger and on social media, and he's a developer, obviously. He works with uh, works for uh, Slate Development, so we'll learn more about uh, Slate and what they do and, and um, what they're all about. But uh, just a very interesting, well-connected dude to talk to about all things real estate and development. And why I wanted to talk to Brandon specifically today was because uh, the Slate has just put uh, out a a very interesting proposal for a two-tower rental development in downtown Hamilton. So obviously very interested in what's happening in Hamilton. Um, A lot of my investors have been starting to invest in Hamilton and very excited about the future of Hamilton over the next few years. A lot of exciting things happening there. And, and I just saw this pop up in my news feed in the past couple of weeks, this beautiful proposal for a two-tower development in downtown Hamilton by Slate. So I want to talk to Brandon, and I did talk to Brandon about what Slate is doing in Hamilton, how he sees Hamilton, you know, how he sees the future of Hamilton. Um, it's interesting that it's a rental building, so we talked about rent controls and uh, rental versus condo and what his thoughts are on that as a developer. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked about issues in Toronto and the market and lots of very interesting things, so I think you'll find this conversation uh, very useful. And Brandon, if you don't know him, again, he's a great guy to follow for all things real estate, so make sure you do check out um, his, uh, his site, especially brandondonnelly.com. Of course, I'll include a link to all this on the show notes for this episode. You can always find all the show notes, truecondos.com forward slash podcast. And if you are interested, we're talking a lot about Hamilton here. So just thought I'd mention again, if you are interested in investing in Hamilton and you have not done so yet, there is still time to get in at Television City. However, prices are going to be increasing very soon, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, of course. But uh, as of time of recording this podcast, uh, we're getting down to the wire before prices are going to be increased in that development. And so now is the time to invest in Television City. I have invested in it myself. And I invite you to join me too. If you'd like more information on that and what that is all about, of course, just send me an email, andrew at truecondos.com. Or call me, 416-371-2333. And so without further delay, here is my interview with Brandon Donnelly. So Hamilton, you're active in Hamilton. I am, yeah. So I want to talk to you about Hamilton. Uh, I want to talk to you about just the market in general, Slate. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what triggered it. Like it's hard to find, I find it's hard to find people who actually are active in Hamilton and know what they're talking. Well, I don't know about the know what you're talking about part, but uh, <laughs> but we're active. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of it's like this. It's sort of like the, this this new frontier. It's over there, and I think there's a lot of over there, and things are starting to happen. But it's hard to find people who actually who actually have a good sense and a pulse of what's what's going to happen, and and you know, sort of where we are at. Where it's from here, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to hear. You guys, you run like public meetings and stuff, so you're hearing, you're hearing the public side of it. You're you're involved, I guess, with probably with the city side of it. <clears throat> I'm yeah. guessing. Yep. So you're you're in all those high level conversations, and and then you're obviously from the development side of it. Yeah, yeah. No, we've. I mean, we've had so the pro- that project in Corktown, Corktown, uh, the Corktown neighborhood. Yeah. We've, oh yeah, we've we've had two public meetings on that project, and we haven't filed a development application yet. So we'll okay. be filing that uh, in the next couple of weeks. But so we've had two pre-application meetings. We, I mean, I guess backing up from that, we we spent a lot of time back back, back it up way back, um, and tell us like tell me about what is like tell us about Slate because I think a lot of people don't know 
who Slate is, what you guys do, what you're about. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. So we are we are real estate asset managers. Right. And our what does that mean? Our roots, <laughs> our roots are. We mean means we're 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 real estate people. Uh-huh. We. Um, you know, we're active, we're active in all the investments that we, we make. We're not just deploying capital, but we're actively managing and involved in all the projects and all of the, the, the assets that we, um, that we, that we own and manage. And we, and we co-invest in, in all of our, in all of our real estate. Um, the roots of the company are, the roots of the company are, uh, are really in kind of office, in the office space. Uh, repositioning, repositioning existing office buildings was how the company got started uh, through a partnership with Blackstone out of the U.S. So buying rundown office buildings, fixing yep. them up, essentially yep. increasing the value, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. <clears throat> philosophically, the kind of the, the philosophical underpinning is looking for opportunities that the rest of the market uh, is missing, or maybe overlooking, or maybe mispricing, and going where other capital and where other investors are not going. Uh, that's that's kind of the philosophical underpinning, and the blue ocean strategy. Yeah, Are you familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's, it's yeah, exactly. Like yeah. But um, you know, if you look at you, you know, the the market now is you have you have so much capital chasing the same assets, and the pricing yeah. on it is is so competitive and so tight right. that it's 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 a it's a challenging environment, and so. You know, the approach has always been a kind of an opportunistic approach and looking for opportunities that, that other people are overlooking and going where other, other uh, you know, other investors are, are, okay. are not going, right? So, is I mean, the company based, is, is it a Toronto Yeah, we're based, we're based company? in... Because I know you have offices around the world. Yeah, we're based, in, we're based in, and the headquarters is here in Toronto, but we have, right. we have offices in Europe and we have offices in the, in the U.S. as well and, and across Canada mm-hmm. as well too. And, and the way that we're really, um, we're really... Sp- kind of set up is, is almost kind of different buckets of capital. So we have okay. two public, we have two public entities, two public REITs. Um, okay. We have a co-investment uh, separate accounts business with, you know, institutional capital. We have a number of different private equity vehicles. And so they're really, you know, they're really sort of different, different buckets of capital. And it's about pairing the right capital with the right type of real estate because capital wants different things, right? Some people mm-hmm. it's long-term cash flow. Some of right. it, you know, it could be a private equity vehicle where it's, you know, let's say it's sure. a five-year time horizon and there's an exit. So, you know, different, different capitals looking for different things. And so we, we really are, um, you know, most people think of us as kind of office and retail um, because of our, you know, our two, our two public vehicles, but right. you know, residential is something that we've, we've entered a number of years ago uh, we're growing. We're growing that business. Corktown is a primarily residential. You know, Corktown Hamlet is primarily a residential project. Uh, so we're growing that business, and 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 we're you know we're we're kind of we're open to multiple asset classes. We cut across all of them, and uh, you know we'll we'll um, if there's an opportunity there, we're we're open to it. Right. So talk to me about Hamilton. Um, like, are you have you been personally a lot very involved with the the Corktown? Yeah, absolutely. Project absolutely. and site there. Yeah. Okay. So what, like, big picture Hamilton, like, what's going on in Hamilton? Like, what, what vibe are you yeah, I mean, I've, feeling I've, there? Like, what's, what are your thoughts on, on Hamilton as a market? Downtown Hamilton, obviously, specifically, we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've personally been, you know, really interested in what's going on in Hamilton. And certainly everyone's, everyone's talking about it right now. And mm-hmm. when it hits the cover of Toronto Life, then, you know, it's, it's you're, you're right. hitting peak Hamilton. But Last year, yeah. <laughs> but... You know, for a number of years, and, and part of it was, you know, just you know, hearing about some of the things that were happening locally in, in Hamilton. Uh, I don't know if you remember or you know a blog. It used to be uh, Thomas Allen used to write Rebuild Hamilton. I don't know if you've ever come across I that blog. Seen that. He doesn't write it anymore. He's, okay. he's moved on to other. other it's media. already been built. He doesn't need to write about rebuilding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so he. So you know, I was reading That's a his, sign right there. I was reading. I was reading his blog, and I was reading. Uh, you know, just kind of getting really interested in what's going on in Hamilton. So I actually reached out to him a number of years ago and said, hey, you know, you mind, you know, if I come down, if I come visit you, can we, you know, you mind touring me around and just showing me some of the things that are, that are going on? And so, you know, this was years ago. I spent, I spent, uh, I spent a day with, with him just kind of going around, uh, eating tacos, drinking local beers and seeing what's happening in, right. in Hamilton. And it was really, really interesting. So personally, I've been kind of invested right. and interested in, in Hamilton and what's going on there and trying to learn more about it. 
And a number of the partners here in our office are, are actually grew up in Hamilton. So it was kind of a, a couple of things coming together. Um, you know, we, we you know, there's, there was interest in Hamilton. There was, mm -hmm. there was that history kind of from a, from a corporate standpoint. Um, and so the, when this site, you know, which was, which was a listed site, when we came across it, we uh, were pretty excited about it. Um, so were you out there hunting for sites in Hamilton or is it just you're always we were hunting starting, for sites everywhere? This this one in Hamilton just happened to come across. We were already guess. spending time okay. in Hamilton. Right. Um, this is this was really the, this was our this is our first our first development, our development site there. But we were spending time yeah. there getting to know people, um, just try to understand the, the market better, the city better. Right. The communities there. Right. Um, but this was the first. So this one, you know, again, was was listed. And, you know, we came across it and we just, we were excited about it and we were fortunate enough to, to get it. Right. So, and it's the, so this, the project you're calling again, is it, it's, well, it's, it's an existing retail plaza called right. Corktown Plaza. Oh, okay. So there's existing retail that's there. So we're continuing. It's an entire city block. It's I an think, entire, right? yeah. entire city block retail right. strip plaza with surface parking. Right. So we're continuing to operate that. And there are a number of leases in place. And a number so of you've closed on the property. The property's yours. Yep. You've already closed yep. it. Yep. Yep. And so now you've you've put just you're at the proposal stage. No, you're not at the pro. You're we are. So, so backing up from that. So we are we're about to re file a rezoning application. And we'll go in, in the next couple of weeks. But even before <laughs> that, uh, you know, we had spent time trying to understand Hamilton. Yeah. Really, you know, kind of get a feel for the city. But then when we did end up getting a site, uh, we, we were very, we wanted to fully, we wanted to kind of embed ourselves in the city before we came forward with anything. So we, we spent a lot of time meeting with the city, right. the local counselor. Right. The local counselor encouraged us to uh, reach out to the community early on to do some engagement. So we ended up doing, we'd never done this before, but we hosted a pre-designed community meeting which we did last December. Mm. So that was a few months after we, we closed on the property. Right. So we did a pre-design meeting which, where we literally, we went out to the community and we said, we have this site, it's going, we'd like to redevelop it. Um, we did some analysis in terms of here's the urban context around it, here's what, how we understand the site and the area, and we'd like to hear what, you know, your thoughts before we begin the design process. Right. So we hosted that in December. We got a lot of great feedback from that. We had, it was structured as a kind of a charrette. So we had breakout tables. We had trace paper over, over maps of, of, the, of the neighborhood and of the site. And we were sketching literally with the community. We had one person from our, from our team at every table. And we were there sketching over the, over the maps mm -hmm. um, and just kind of and, and taking, taking down ideas. And right. a number of things came up. Uh, you know, the traffic along John Street coming down from the mountain is significant. And, you know, there was, a, there was interest in having a buffer between the road, the traffic, and our future site. It was food. Food is important for the community. So food services, grocery stores, things like that came up again and again. So we found it really useful to go through that process because mm -hmm. we, you know, we took down all those, all those notes. Right. And then we went back out last month for a pre-application community meeting. Right. which was uh, basically here's all the stuff we learned in December. Here's how we've responded. And here's an actual proposal. So that was the first time. So our proposal is now public. You put have, the renderings out. We put the renderings yeah, the out. We, walk, out. We had our architect yeah. there. We walked through the, the design, the intent of the design. Our landscape architect was there. We had, we, we basically, we, yeah. it's all public now, but we just haven't formally filed yet. Right. And it looks amazing, obviously. I mean, Thanks. Thank great. you. Yeah. Congrats. Like, core, great, core did a great work. job. Core architects. Yeah. Two tower kind of designs a full city block with like mid-rise kind of low-rise connected between the towers and is there is there a, I think I saw something about there's a straight like pedestrian walk through the entire yeah. site as well it's not a solid block kind of a yeah and that was one of the comments we got as well too is that it's a full city block and we right. were aware of this as well but it's a full city block which creates opportunities but also creates challenges yeah. opportunities it's a full city block the challenges yeah. are that you know, you could very easily kind of screw it up and make it too fortress-like and, yeah. not, and not respond well to the right. context. So right. we have a mid-block connection that, that cuts through. So you can go from John Street to Catherine Street through the, through the site, also provides access into the residential lobbies. Right. It also ties into our strategy around phasing the project into two phases. 
And this, this comes down to uh, the market in Hamilton. We, frankly, we don't know what, what the absorption is going to be like in Hamilton. Right. And right now the proposal is over 700 apartment units. Right. And, and if you, you know, if you, if you, and we did do this, but if you get a market study done, it'll tell you that you're not going to get the rents that you, you need in Hamilton and they're going to raise concerns about absorption. So it's a bit of a leap of faith for, to be honest, to, mm -hmm. to be um, for a project like this. And, you know, we'll, we'll have to see, we'll see how, how things go. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously the big thing is it's, the, it's a rental, right? Yep. It's two rental towers as opposed to a condo. Yeah. So on top of retail. Um, so what, like, I'm curious how you, like, was condo, like, is condo still potentially on the table for this, this no. project or no, it's, it's completely rental. off the table? It's rental. It's definitely going to be yeah. rental. Um, and how your thoughts on that? Cause I mean, there's a lot of, obviously the landscape has changed a lot in the last year with the fair housing plan and everything and rent yep. control. Um, some builders are, you know, a lot of people in, in industry are coming out and saying, you know, nobody's going to build any more rental buildings because of rent control. Other people are obviously taking a different approach and still building. Um, there's strong opinions on both sides where, like, what's the, what do you, what's your approach to it? I mean, cause you could, you could have just built a condo. Yeah. We're, and we're developing both condo and rental. Yeah. So, you know, we, we have condo projects that are, that will be launching for sales later this year and we have other rental projects. And certainly a lot of the changes that have happened have us on some projects, second guessing whether we want to do rental or whether we want to do, we do want to do condo. And I think everyone in the industry, there's a kind of a switch you're kind of hovering over and which one are we going to right. do depending on the way the way the market's going yeah. uh, in this particular case, we have an institutional partner and, and we're, we're both of us are committed to, to rental and taking a very long-term view on, on Hamilton, right. Um, you know, beyond just this particular asset. And I mean, so, you're obviously bullish on the rental market in Hamilton is the easy answer. Well, and, and we're bullish on Hamilton. We think yeah. it's, you know, we think it's, it's a great, it's a great city. Um, it's a great city to own an asset like that in. Yeah, That's I mean, what you're saying. yeah, it's it, we just think it's Hamilton's at an exciting time, and yeah. you know you have the LRT underway. Um, hopefully that continues, <laughs> but right. you know the LRT underway, and you also, I mean, the other thing too about Hamilton is if you think about if you think about the GTA, the overall kind of golden horseshoe in the region, how many true urban downtown cores are there in the region? Right, downtown Hamilton is a real amazing vibrant downtown and it's only going to continue to, to the get, bones to are get, all there yeah. exactly yeah. that's I mean it, most people unfortunately just haven't been to hamilton they don't understand it but anybody who's been there who grew up there or lived there you know it's hamilton is not mississauga it's not oakville it's not markham it's completely different in the sense and that it's way more urban it's its own urban mm -hmm. city it has the the history it has the bones of you know similar to downtown Toronto, you know, it's yeah. Like if you just put a blindfold on someone and just drop them into, you know, a lot of places in downtown Hamilton and you just said, look around, like you, you'd assume that you were in Toronto somewhere uh, in a lot of cases, right. As opposed to you drop somebody in Markham or Oakville or, mm -hmm. you know, pretty much, you know, anywhere else in the GTA. Yeah. You're going to know you're not in Toronto. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, you, you take a place, you know, Markham or where most of those places are completely car oriented and car dependent. Yeah. And down, and as you said, in terms of the bones of, of Hamilton and downtown Hamilton, it's, it's because of its history. history. It's not, it's not yeah. car. When I mean, it, yes, when it was built, when it, when the streets were, were first laid and the sidewalks and, yeah. and the buildings, it's, it was before the car culture. Yeah, and now over. there's a lot of, and there are still a number of one-way streets that in 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 downtown Hamilton where you feel that the car dominates, but that's right. actually something that's that's been changing over time as well too. Um, James Street was one-way converted to two-way, helped the streets significantly, mm -hmm. and that's something that the city is certainly looking at. So you know those types of shifts will continue to happen. Bike infrastructure, one ways to two ways, those really help strengthen those existing bones. Right. I mean, those are e those are relatively easy things to change and, and to fix. Right. The actual street grid and the right. urban fabric is something that's very sticky. But Hamilton has it's, those those good bones in yeah, place. It's all there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a blank canvas for for guys like you and. Well, yeah, I mean, at the same time, though, too, like we were we were very sensitive around we didn't want to be the Toronto developers coming into Hamilton, proposing something that proposing what we normally propose in in Toronto and saying this is great. You know, you should this is this is our proposal. It's Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is what we're doing. We didn't want to take a Toronto approach and and just drop it into Hamilton. We were really, really sensitive to that. And, and. You know, well, that's one of the reasons why we did all the community engagement that we, we did is, is uh, we wanted to come in and say, okay, we, we've got, we've, we've recently acquired this site. Yeah. We're, we're, we still have a lot to learn about at Hamilton and we want to learn from you guys before we come forward and propose an intervention, right? In terms of a proposal. So let we do, we were just very sensitive to that. And, and, and um, you know, Hamiltonians rightly are very proud of, of their city mm-hmm. and, and there's also a lot of sensitivity around gentrification and what all of this means for yeah. for the city. You know, I was right. on a panel a couple of weeks ago um, about that. You know, kind of gentrification versus renewal, and how you know how does Hamilton you know is getting a lot of attention right now, but how does it balance how does it balance that? I think is a bit of a false kind of distinction in terms of uh, you know gentrification is such a loaded term, but. You know, there, there's there's a lot of sensitivity around that, and we wanted to be careful that what we were what we came forward with, and what we proposed was responsive. Mm-hmm. So, like, what, where do you see the Hamilton market going? I mean, like you said, there's uncertainty there. Like, you can try to do studies, and you can try to look at it from this angle and that angle, and hire consultants and stuff. But nobody really like. There's not a lot of like data to go on. Like, there's not like a track record of. No, there isn't, you know, and that's there, there's, <laughs> that's it's everybody who's sort of active in there now. I feel like everybody's sort of a little bit in the same boat, you guys, uh, and from the developer side, and you know, investors, anybody who's going into Hamilton, it's kind of like, you know, what what rents are we going to get for this? You know, what what are we going to be able to sell this in the future? You know, those kind of questions that in Toronto you have this broad history and depth of data to look at and, and different ways to analyze it or you could say well this neighborhood is up and coming it reminds us of this neighborhood over here that was up and coming so we can kind of compare things like that but in hamilton it just feels like you don't have that and it's mm-hmm. more of a leap of faith in that sense uh you're just kind of looking at the city as a whole the momentum i, mean, I don't know how how, are, yeah. how do you look at it do you, do you ever read urban capital's site magazine i'm familiar with you're it familiar? yeah but so I, last last year Dave, Dave Wex asked me to write an article about, uh, or, you know, we kind of collectively decided on this. Actually, I think it was my idea to write something like that. But I, <laughs> now that I think of it, I actually... It the was one, all you. <laughs> there, now, now I came back and I said, Dave, why don't we write about this? Because it's a really interesting story. But if you look at what urban capital is doing in terms of like building across the country. Yeah. In, in, right. in secondary, kind of secondary yeah. cities all across the country. Right. And, you know, that's something that I think is central to the urban capital story. And I remember... You know, so you know, Dave and I were talking about what you know, what could, uh, what kind of, what could the topic be? And I think you know, this is a great idea because it's central to what you're, what you're doing. And you know, if you if you read that article, he says exactly the same thing. One never gets a market study. He says, if I get a market study, it will tell me don't do, go, don't enter this market. You'll never be able to build this market. Never be able to, you know, have a project kind of pencil out. And so, two, it's really always this kind of leap of faith uh, in terms of do you believe in the city? Interesting. And yeah. and do you think that the 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 demand is, is gonna be there? And it's so it's a it's similar in some ways because to your point, there aren't there we don't have the proof points to say this is what people what rents people have gotten um, for this type of product and, and we can look to that. At the same time, Hamilton is not it's it's still connected to Toronto. Yes. And the yeah. unique one That's, of the- Yeah. I mean, as you say, you compare these secondary markets like urban capital building in Saskatchewan and East Coast and this and that. It's just similar in a way, but it, it's dissimilar in the sense that Hamilton as a secondary market is just, it's directly connected to the GTA mm-hmm. physically and also like economically. And so, you know, for some, for some real estate firms, they... So in some cases, that's a good thing. And, and for some real estate firms, it's actually a reason why they don't want to go into Hamilton because it doesn't diversify their portfolio because, you know, their view is if something happens, if something hits Toronto, if Toronto catches a cold, Hamilton, Hamilton will catch a cold as well. Right. And, and that's a con- concern. But again, at the same time, too, it's you're connected economically um, within, within the larger region. So, 
you know, we, you know, we see, we see that as, uh, as an interesting opportunity. Uh, one of the things that, that kind of surprises us at these community meetings is that the high percentage of people that were actually Toronto transplants right. a, from, yeah. you know, they've only been in Hamilton for a year or two. There was a high percentage of those, of those folks right. at, at the meetings. Yeah. So you see, and we have people in our office who recently moved to Hamilton because they wanted to buy, they wanted to buy a house. Interesting. Yeah. So you're seeing, and that's, I mean, that's a narrative that's, that we've heard before, but right. that's, that phenomenon is happening. And yep. so there, there's obviously a connectivity between the, the regions. There's the, the, the province and Metrolinx are working on RER service and, and better rail service around the region. Yep. You know, it can be in during rush hour, it can be awful going between the two cities, but there's the two cities should have uh, rail service connecting the two and it should be a 40 minute trip. I mean, that's the way that it should be. Right. And so I think over the long term, it's going to get there. It's going to get there. Yeah. And so you think about that and that's, that's a, I mean, powerful, that's powerful. a, yeah. that's, that's powerful yeah. for yeah. both if, cities. Yeah. If some say, you know, if in the next five to 10 years, you can commute between Hamilton and Toronto in roughly 40 minutes, uh, and you can, you know, you can live in, in, in Hamilton for like half the price of Toronto and you're still in that urban yeah. sort of a city. Like that's going to be very appealing to a lot of people as opposed to you can, you, you know, you, you're not moving to Brampton or Markham or, yeah. you know, nothing wrong with those places, but it's, you know, it's a very different, like you said, it's a car central, if you, car centric if, if you lived in a condo on the Shepherd subway line, how long would it take you to get down to Union? Great. Yeah. It's a great comparison. Yeah. People say I'm in Toronto. I'm on the subway line. Yeah. Okay. But like you can be on in Toronto on the subway line. It can still take you over an hour. Over an hour. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> and it's, let's face it, you know, the, the subway is not the, the most comfortable. Uh, no, it's not. Commuting uh, option, you know, compared to like a go train. It's not. And so I think if you look at, um, you know, if you look at the way that this region is going to develop, which will become and already is heading in that, in that direction, but much more polycentric, you're gonna, we're going to have nodes. We're going to have better, enha you know, enhanced rail service connecting these nodes. Yeah. And... You know, so as soon as you get that, you got that connectivity and then you have the local service as well in yeah. Hamilton with the LRT. Yeah. You have this vibrant downtown. It's, it's I mean, the, the surroundings of Hamilton are, are spectacular as well. I've been spending time checking out the waterfalls in Hamilton. I know. It's so, incredible. It's yeah, inc I, me too. I've, I've, I've been more in fact, active in the market. I've been spending more time in the area as well. And just like, yeah, the, the escarpment and, and the nature and, 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 you know, the lake mm -hmm. and the waterfalls and the trails, like you just... You're pinching yourself as a Torontonian sort of GTA person because it's just like every this beautiful nature just yeah. like eight minutes away. You're not like you're not driving an hour to get to like something nice. Absolutely. <laughs> so if you take yeah. you know if you take a long term if you take a long term view, I think it makes sense that uh, there's going to be growth and opportunities. So I mean, does it like are we just talking about it comes down to as, as crazy as it sounds to build like 700 units, it sort of just comes down to gut feel. Like you, you have a good gut feel for the market well, <laughs> at the end of no, the day. I mean, no, there's, there's, I it's mean, gotta be you more try to put as much, you try to put as much math to it as possible. Right. I mean, we also have a hospital adjacent to our site, which is, which is a demand driver. We are adjacent to the ghost station. We're close to downtown. Um, you know, there's, there's still, you know, there are, there have been new purpose built rental projects that have been built, um, that, you know, the rents are probably mid twos and, 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 and flirting with much higher than that in some, in some instances. And they're all full. You have, yeah. And you have, you know, Brad Lamb with, with television city. You, you probably know, I don't know, you, you probably yeah, absolutely, have yep. some <laughs> better data. I don't know how, how, yeah. how, what, what is, what's his pricing there and where's, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the project is doing very, very well. Um, people are excited and they're buying it he's you know everybody knows brad's product mm -hmm. and what how much it costs in toronto and he's offering the same product mm -hmm. you know in the core uh of of hamilton for half the price yep. or even less than half the price yeah uh you know it's it's crazy yeah <laughs> i think i think it's just but but you have that phenomenal. which starts to you yeah. know that's that's new development there's there's um you know, so there, there are, there, there, there's some math and some, some evidence, of course, yep. behind, behind it all. But, um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's not as, as simple as saying the last project got X right. and it absorbed in Y. 
So, and so we're X plus this, right, right. and we think it will. It, but if it was that easy, then everybody would be doing it. And like you said, as you started out, like your philosophy as a company, I understand why you're probably in Hamilton is you're lo- you're looking for those opportunities that most people are still not quite there yet. Most people are still. Well, let's let somebody else test the waters first. I'll buy in later when it's more expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but the, the people who get there first, uh, obviously, if it works, then they're going to they're gonna do the best uh, if, if you're there before everyone else. Um, you've been following Pier 8 mm-hmm. and, and that uh, the big announcement, obviously, mm-hmm. the Citizen Fernbrook group uh, got the rights to develop the waterfront site there, Pier 8. What are your thoughts on that's on that. It's I think it's it's really exciting. I think that's yeah. another, you know, another important project for uh, for the city and it's going to be incredible for the waterfront. And I mean all of these types of all of these all of these projects kind of add up to, you know, what we're talking about in terms of uh the momentum that that people were, were experiencing in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's incredibly exciting. Yeah. You know, but I think, you know, there that's I mean that's exciting, but I, I think we shouldn't forget there's you know, incredible local businesses and restaurants and, and, and all of that, that's, 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 in, that, that's really what I think makes the city the, exciting right, right now. Yeah. You know, we don't, we, don't need right. To, we don't need to talk about Pier 8 in the future, the future. or our projects in the future. There's a lot of really exciting things and a lot of great things that are, that are in the city today. Mm-hmm. And that, that, to your earlier point, I don't think people appreciate. Uh, I know for, even for me, I hadn't, you know, growing up, I, don't, I don't, didn't spend a lot of time in Hamilton. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of years ago when I started going there and spending time, it was, it was, I was really impressed by, by the city and everything that it, that it had to offer. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great place to be. Yeah, I, I'm finding myself spending more and more time there as I've been involved with, uh, with things there um, lately. But yeah, it's, I mean, the restaurant scene and, and just, mm-hmm. you know, the parks and the lake and just, just yeah. all the components are the escarpment is some of those restaurant owners are from toronto though there's some tensions yeah. that uh, bubble up okay. <laughs> i'm sure you've heard of some instances there yeah you know so it's i mean it's it's not that dissimilar from what every city i think is experiencing where yeah. there's new growth there's investment people moving into the downtown change in preference you know yeah. all of these types of factors it's there's similar narratives playing out in every city exactly but, yeah so it's not unique yeah it's it's there. happening across uh <clears throat> across north america really this return to this, the city center it's a bigger trend um uh what else do what do i want to talk to you but what do you i mean you're 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 still incredibly i think you're still daily blogging i am right? yeah. you're still blogging every day you're and one was you're one of the original when yeah <laughs> when we've had our first conversation on the podcast um you were daily blogging before it was cool. Uh, and <laughs> I, don't still I don't know if it's cool now. Has so. <laughs> it ever been cool? I don't know. It's a lot of work. But um, but you're so tuned in just on like urban issues and, and, you know, trends and, you know, the latest thinking and stuff. Like what, I'm just curious, what kind of stuff are you like most interested in or most like finding yourself drawn to, whether is it trend, a certain trend or uh, certain areas of, of Toronto or... Uh, certain types of housing. I know laneway housing was, has mm. been a, a huge thing for you. I don't know if you want to yeah. jump into well, that. Well, that's really, or... that's really that, I mean, very excited about laneway suites and, and the, the policies that, that have gone through community council. So it's not, yeah. it's still, it still has to wake, make its way through council. It's not, but it's, uh, it's a great milestone. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, the, there's a lot of other groups like Lanescape. I don't know if you've been following them, but I mean, they've been instrumental along with, Councillor Bailao and, and Councillor McMahon and others, um, it's been it's been amazing, and I'm pretty excited for for that to come through. Um, I would say, I mean, the you know, there's the issues that we just that we touched on right now. I think that a lot of cities are are facing. There's these challenges, these tensions around affordability, but also the return to the city and growth, and yeah. so the, you know that's I think everyone is kind of grappling with those and trying to figure figure it out. Um, I think transit continues to be something that I'm, that I'm very interested in and, you know, it ties in, I mean, again, Hamilton is, you know, transit connectivity would be, uh, would be magical for that, for that city really, depending yeah. I guess on your viewpoint, but it would really, right. <laughs> I mean, that connectivity is important. I've been, I've, it's taken me two and a half hours to drive to, 
to Hamilton in some cases for, for meetings and right. to, to go out there. And it should, and that it shouldn't be that it shouldn't that shouldn't be the case. So that's really those are really really important issues. Mm-hmm. The other thing that um, that I've blogged a lot about, and, and we're we're trying to translate that into our projects as much as possible, is just you know with this return to cities and with the pricing of low rise housing where it is, you know we think that there's an opportunity and more people are going to be looking for larger family oriented suites and multifamily and multifamily buildings. So. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our project, our condo project in the Junction called Junction House is called Junction House because we specifically wanted to create housing that could be a substitute or an alternative for people who may, you know, like living in, in a condo and multi, in a multifamily building, maybe priced out of single family homes, may want the convenience mm-hmm. of, of, of a condo. For, there's a number of reasons, but we wanted to create that type of housing, that type of housing alternative for people so we have two-story units we have larger units we have terraces outdoor space which is you know a lot of mid-rise buildings have those but mm-hmm. we've really geared it around um around families and and, and end users and creating those types of, of of kind of housing solutions so that's something that i you know i spent a lot of time writing thinking about yeah and we're trying uh, to to incorporate that into yeah. into our project everybody wants larger units uh families are especially in the city are really attracted to the idea of living in a condo as opposed to a house and the, and the, you know, the yep. lifestyle aspect of it. But the, the challenge I find is just getting the units affordable, you know, to the, because yeah. you know, the bigger the unit gets, the more expensive it, sure. it becomes. So how do you, like, how do you deal with that? Like, how do we, yeah. like at some point the condo becomes so big that it, it's like the same price as a house kind of thing. So, yeah. Like, yeah. How so do you approach I think, that? I think part of the, I think part of the equation is 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 really just economic. So does low rise housing gets to get to a point, and I would argue that we're we're sort of at that inflection point, right? Where low rise housing is at such it's hit such a price point that people are forced to look at at kind of less expensive alternatives, right? So I think part of it is just purely economic, and you know we this as a city we've been talking for the last. 15 years about how do we encourage more three bedroom units in condos and it comes down to the exact same the, the issue that you talk about which is they get so expensive that nobody can afford them and people aren't hard, people aren't yeah, buying them and hard all to sell so yeah. part of it i think is strictly economic it's just the market and we don't really have any control over that we obviously we just respond to it. the but there are things that we've we we've we spent a lot of time from a design standpoint trying to to kind of figure out solutions and one of the things one of the challenges with mid-rise buildings is that you you have you tend to have deep floor plates, mm-hmm. and, and and then when the building kind of tapers up, or if you're following an, an angular plane, then you have smaller floor plates as you go up, and you maybe you can get some wide shallow units. But you know a lot of the typical units will be these deep floor plates, yeah. and so when you try to do a large, let's say a two bedroom, two bedroom, two bath, something that might be suitable for a couple with a, a child or whatever it may be, you typically get the inset second bedroom. Um, yep. And it's sitting beside the fridge or the, or the kitchen, and it's yep. got sliding doors on it. Right. And there's no sound privacy. Right. But that's the only way that you're going to keep the affordability down because you've got the depth. And if you go too wide and have both windows up against the glass, then you've got this huge, massive unit that nobody can afford. So that's actually what drove us to uh, the two story two story units for 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 some of the for some of the building hmm. is you get the acoustic separation for the bedrooms, which is what people. Part, one of the things people like about a house, yep. kids upstairs sleeping, you can be downstairs frying an egg and it's not going to be, it's not going to be terrible. Um, but also too, is that by, by going to two, two stories, we were actually able to get a wider living space than what you typically get in a condo. And we were able to interlock the two bedrooms upstairs. So they both have windows, they both have access to natural light. So for us, it was really trying to come up with a design solution that would keep the, mm. the, the unit within a size that yeah. becomes affordable to people, but you get light to the windows, you get acoustic separation, you have the feeling of a house because you can go up and down stairs. So it's those types of things that we spent a lot of time uh, on this project trying to figure out, um, trying to figure out solutions. Yeah, and I mean, well, one of the things you're tweeting about this week is just around from the like everybody wants sort of mid-rise type buildings, yeah. the missing middle. There's these buzzwords going around. You know, not everybody wants to live in a the 50 story tower kind of, you know, not, but most people can't afford to live in the low rise house. So what do we have in the middle? Um, but one of the things you, you were talking about on your Twitter, and it was just this idea that it's to build those mid-sized buildings is very expensive. Mm-hmm. That you don't have a lot of economies of scale that you do in a high rise from a development standpoint. So 
Um, I mean, how is it just a matter of buying the right sites in sort of the B locations where the land is cheaper to, to, to sort of make it work? Or, you know, is the missing middle, I guess I'm saying, is the missing middle just like this fantasy that will never actually really yeah. occur? Yeah, I mean, the reality or, is the mid. The there's a missing middle. Just if we do the missing middle, it's just, it's just we're just going to be building luxury housing for rich people because it's expensive to build. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, the reality on a per square foot basis, the the mid rise housing typology is more expensive than high rise and other and other forms of construction. We've, you know, I think like every developer, you know, six story wood frame. We've we've looked at that as well too, and. Right. Know, everyone was hoping that there'd be some cost savings there to kind of create a more affordable product. We haven't found yeah. uh, that that's been a, right. been a solution for us. I think, you know, in terms of the missing middle, I, I think that there's opportunities for essentially smaller, even smaller infill. I think laneway suites is, is potentially the smallest kind of infill. Right. But, you know, we talk about there's a lot of debate and discussion around intensifying neighborhoods, capital N neighborhoods in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think, you know, some smaller infill projects like that, that may create an opportunity to, to make more affordable products on the mid rise side. It's, uh, you know, it's a challenge and, and, and I think it comes down to what we were talking about before in terms of, it's just, it's just an economic, it's an economic thing in terms of where is low rise, where is, where is low rise, right. uh, pricing and how does that compare to mid rise and, right. and, you know, historically it's, you been a lot it's been cheaper just to buy a low-rise a yeah. low-rise home right but are we at a tipping point now where low-rise is becoming you know we're 1.2 1.3 more than four for right for an average single-family home you know now is a million dollar condo two bed two bath is that is that the alternative for people right right yeah yeah i guess you could yeah you could just say you know what just give it time and if the low-rise house continues to be become scarcer and scarcer you would assume the price of the low-rise house is just going to continue to balloon and mm-hmm. be more and more out of reach. Therefore, you know, if you are, if it's a two million dollar low-rise house versus uh, a well-laid-out condo for one point two, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. hey, that is affordable housing now. Right. Not maybe not today, but give it five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and that's and one point two, as crazy as it sounds, that's that's sort of the affordable housing. Right, because there's, I mean, there's, when you think about the price, let's say the price of a home or a house, you've got two components, you have the land and you have the improvements, right? And when, you, when we see massive swings in, in pricing, it's not that the bricks are getting that much right. more, although construction costs have gone nuts over the last, over the last year, but <laughs> it's the land prices that are continuing to, right. to continue to It's always the land, so, yeah, it's always the land, yeah. So, you know, the land, as the land becomes a more, kind of a, a larger percentage of the overall, overall cost, then... You know, the, the kind of equations change and, you know, you have to use that land more intensely. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you make of the market just in general? Like, how do you just the crazy wild ride that we've been on just in the market over the past year with the a year ago, you know, 35, 40 percent appreciation. And then the fair housing plan comes in and, and we had like, you know, people, you know, the sky was falling and it's all going to. Yeah. crumble uh and now here we are a year later obviously this you know we're still chugging along the market is still doing its thing um numbers are still way down from what they were a year ago but but specifically lower the low rise and then you have this low rise versus yeah the low rise market versus the condo market you have this stark difference like what what are you interested I mean, in you're like, probably the expert on that <laughs> on that on that question no, but you t- you're, you're, you're in the market. I'm yeah. just like, what, uh, what are your thoughts on the state of the market? Yeah, no, I think it actually has to do with what we've just been talking about, which is there are affordability limits. And I think a lot of people have hit that on the, on the low rise side and people are looking for, for alternatives mm-hmm. and, you know, and people, and I think a lot of people value. Being, Everybody's got to live somewhere. Yeah, and I think people value people value being in central locations and not dealing with with commutes. I mean, some people are fine commuting from Hamilton and back and forth. Some people want to be central, but I think that's that's something that's important for people. And I think a lot of 
people are getting feeling priced out of the low rise side and looking towards towards condos. So you know we've been monitoring, and I, I spent a lot of time looking at just average unit sizes and where the price where those where those units are going and then the mm-hmm. pricing there. And I think you know you start to see you start to see an uptick. Um, some of that's <clears throat> excuse me, some of that's uh, empty nesters as well too that are you know selling homes and moving into into condos, but. Um, I think I think we're going to continue to see more people and families and users adopting multifamily living mm. and, and as not just a stepping stone to a right. low-rise house, which historically has been kind of that the way that the market in many cases worked. So right, you don't see so you don't see it going away. I mean, you, you don't see this this tr- the tr- like you said the trend towards increasing condo sizes. It's where, it's, it's where here to stay. Are, where are families going to continue to go in, right. in the city? I mean, we're not delivering any more single-family homes in, in Toronto, right? At any sort of meaningful scale, right? Yeah. So yeah. where where are people going to go? Right. I guess in some cases Hamilton, but <laughs> yeah, um, some people will go which to is Hamilton. What's, yeah. You know, partially driving that that phenomenon. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I it, mean, it, you know, it's. Uh, any, is there anything in the market that concerns you or that, you know, you're, you're watching something that is uh, a red flag on the horizon or anything of that nature? Or are you still just generally, you're still very bullish on, on the future of Toronto? De- definitely bullish on the future of Toronto. I think Toronto, Toronto is an incredible, incredible city. Um, so continue to be, continue to be bullish. I think everyone, I think everyone in the industry is really top of mind right now is construction costs and where costs are going you know development charges are increasing construction costs are increasing there's talk of inclusionary zoning there's a lot of there are a lot of um uh there are a lot of kind of headwinds in terms of increased costs right and i think everybody's thinking about that right now and certainly you know with canceled projects and some of that's driven by rapid escalation in construction costs Mm -hmm. and, and selling into a different market and building and try or trying to build in a different market so I think everyone's really, really concerned about that, and and you know, where you know land prices are, are are continuing to escalate, costs are going up. So you right. know, there's there's that's got we have to watch it closely, and, and there's only there's limits again to what people are going to be able to afford, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting, yeah. And, and I can tell you, even I mean, switching back to to Hamilton, yeah. Uh, I mean, Hamilton still has incentives in place to encourage development. Now there's debate there whether or not you know, that's still appropriate or not, but I can tell you they're really important. They're, they're an important part. They were an important part and continue to be an important part of our decision to, to develop in Hamilton. We're talking about taking a leap of faith on, on overall development, but also where the rents are going to be and what absorption is going to be and all those types of things. And those incentives are important, are really important for making the, for helping to make the math work. Right, right. Yeah, I'm sure they are. How does just as a final thought, perhaps like rent control, and how does like what's your what's your thoughts on we t- we touched on it earlier, but remind me again, like what what are your thoughts on rent control as it pertains to building seven hundred rental units? Is that that's obvious? I mean, you're going ahead with it, so it's obviously not something that's going to stop you from building those units. But for some people, it is. Why why is it not a, a, a deal breaker? For you to build 700 rental units yeah i mean again part of it has to do with your investment objectives mm-hmm. what what your you know your capital wants the type of capital that you're the talking type, yeah, about exactly right. and if you're strictly looking at what's my short-term profit or what's the most profitable project today it's going to be it's still going to be it's going to be condo and so in some cases you have to want to do rental. You have to want to be taking that long term that long term view, and and so you know are you and if and if that's the case, then you're willing to kind of, you know, take a, you know think it's basically the long game as opposed to kind of the short term gains of of a condo project. Um, in terms of the impact of rent control, I mean I think it it certainly has it it it, it changes and we've we kind of all hear this about developers. Shifting towards smaller units to increase turnover, um, sacrificing you know kind of absorption initially to get the highest rents possible up front, so that you're you're locked in a higher rent. So it does have an impact, and it changes kind of how you approach um, your overall development project.
but again, I mean, if you if you believe in rental and that's the product that you want and you want to retain ownership, you want to be somewhere for the long term, then you know that's the decision you make, right? Right. It's a sort of fork in the road, like you said. Is, are you a long term thinker? Are you is this type of capital? You're just looking for quick money, or are you? Especially, I mean, you reading between the lines. I am, and and you're talking about institutional money and, and that sure. sort of thing. So. Than rental in that yeah, sense. Yeah, and there's, there are institutions that continue to makes own. a lot I of mean, money. Makes a lot of sense. We're gonna have to see, you know, where where cap rates go as a as a result of these these caps yeah. on, on rents. But you know, there's still institutional capital out there that's looking for multifamily rental assets, and you know, we haven't built a lot of it recently yeah. in in this region, and so to, and it's difficult to so it's difficult to buy buy those yeah. kinds of assets, and in, in many cases they're they're, they're old. So. Are, I mean, rent rent control is a double-edged sword, though, right? It uh, it on the one hand it, it restricts you, but on the other hand, a strong argument, and there's a lot of research to show, and anecdotally, it seems to be definitely happening so far in Ontario, and in, in this in this region, that when you put rent control in, people don't move. Rental supply goes down. Mm-hmm. Rental rates increase much faster than they otherwise would have. Therefore. Again, if you're if you're building a rental building on spec today that's going to be finished in four years, you're starting to think, hmm, you know what? Rental rates in four years might be a lot higher than we think they will be. Mm-hmm. And our numbers might look a lot better when we go to rent this thing out. And we might, you know, the people that are saying we're crazy might be jealous of us in four years, you know? So. It could be. And I think even, you know, even in, in a market like Toronto where there's there's more comps than let's say Hamilton to say, what, what kind of rents are we going to get? You, there's still developers that are pleasantly surprised, you know, when they go to yeah. lease up, lease up their building. Right. So yeah, it's, uh, but it, it's it certainly, there's no, there's no question that the controls and, and has an impact on the decision to go condo and rental. As I said earlier, a lot of developers are kind of hovering over that switch and, you know, and, and it can, it can switch you over to condo. Right. Uh, if you if you aren't completely set and your mandate is you want to do rental, it can flip you. It can flip you over to condo. And we've certainly seen that, right? Right. Yeah. If you're sort of agnostic on the type yep. of, but if you're, if that is your mandate, if that is where your your starting point is, then it doesn't mm-hmm. really. I guess you're saying it doesn't really affect you that much at the end of the day. You just you change a few things, you tweak a few things here and there, but your your mandate is. If you're committed to same. rental, and we're committed to rental in Hamilton, we're going to continue to continue to do rental. Right. Interesting. Brandon, it's been great chatting with you today. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, people want to learn more about you, about uh, Slade, about what you're doing in Hamilton, about your upcoming project in the Junction. I mean, where do you, where do you, where do you want to direct people? Where, where, where should people go? Check out, check out the blog, brandondonnelly.com. Yep. Uh, all the updates are always there. Great. Yeah. So we'll definitely include a link to that in the show notes, brandondonnelly.com. Uh, and follow him on Twitter, and you're on Facebook. You're everywhere. You're you're on everything. <laughs> Twitter and Instagram. Twitter and Instagram is are your, your number one. Are where I where places. I usually be on the blog where I focus myself. Right. Donnelly underscore B. Awesome. On both. Great. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.